This is the sermon from Reverend Dr. Bob John, pastor of Aldersgate United Methodist Church in Chelmsford, Massachusetts. We hope you are blessed with this message today. If you are seeking a church family, we are located at 242 Boston Road. Our worship services are at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. on Sundays. May God bless you and your family this day and give you peace. Find today's reading on page 13 of your pew Bibles, starting on page... Uh, See, of the New Testament. <clears throat> Please stand if you are able for the reading of the gospel. The parable of the sower, Matthew 13, 1 to 9. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Matthew thirteen eighteen to 23. The parable of the sower explained. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. And this is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be accepted on thy side, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's a story about how frugal Mrs. Willencourt was. When her husband died, she asked the newspaper how much it would cost for the death notice. 
They said, $2 for five words. Five words, I just need two words, so can I just pay for just two words, she asked. We learned called dad. But they said, no, $2 is the minimum. You will need to come up with three more words. So Mrs. Willem got thought for a moment and finally said, I want to say, Willem got dead Cadillac for sale, she said. <laughs> but I'm sure that many of us have some house rules to practice our own frugality. When you leave the room, make sure that you turn off the light. When you use the water, make sure that you turn off the faucet all the way. Frugality is considered a vital means of survival in times of scarcity or, or as we just came out of that the pandemic. So think about when the pandemic started three years ago, how people were fervently driving miles from miles trying to find a toilet paper. While practicing frugality, we also want to be effective our time and resource and our money because they're all limited. You go to work in the morning, you want to get much work done by focusing 100% without distraction. So you can come home later and spend your time with your spouse and or your children rather than worrying about what you left behind. This past week, I need to uh, change the engine oil of my car, so I went online and, and made a reservation to go to this auto shop at noon. When I went to the auto shop and uh, stayed there and wait for a couple of hours, later the staff told me, next time don't go and book the appointment online, just call me and I will cut your waiting time to half an hour, he said. That's what we do. We have a limited time energy and resources. We want to be effective in how we manage them. Also, we want to be frugal. But listen to the parable of the sower in the Gospel of Matthew this morning. Jesus says, a sower went out to sow, and he scattered the seeds on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. He sowed some seeds on the rocky ground, and they sprang up quickly, but they scorched later because of sun. They had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns which choked the seeds. So as we hear this parable, with our own virtual frugality of being uh, effective, we might wonder why waste all those seeds when the sower knows that these are not the most idealistic soil for planting. I mean, wouldn't it be better if it's the sower save them, reserve all these seeds for later and just sow them on a good grounds? They'll definitely bring out the maximum or abundant harvest later with much joy and celebration. I mean, investing in what is likely to bring the best result was. That is the common sense. That is how our business operates or even relationship works sometimes. For example, Starbucks chooses its new location carefully by researching the demographic. 
A census demographic shows that Starbucks usually targets locations with wealthier populations, more people, younger age, and more educated. So can you guess which state in the United States has the most Starbucks stores? It's California with 2,468 stores. Can you imagine, can you guess which state in the United States has the, the fewest Starbucks stores? It's actually Vermont with only four stores in it. You know, Jesus explains what he means by this parable later. Think of the seas as the words of the kingdom. People hear it, but don't understand just like the seas on the path. The birds come and snatch them away. People hear the words of the kingdom, but just like the rocky ground, they have no roots and they abandon them when trouble comes. People heard the words of kingdom, but just like the thorns, they constantly worry about their wealth and the love of the world, therefore not being able to yield anything. That's what Jesus says. As Jesus indicates that these soils represent the hearers in terms of how they receive the words of God. You know, many preachers often interpret this text allegorically to tell their congregation that it's their fault when they don't understand the words they preach and also they sometimes fall asleep during the sermon. It's like they're too worried about what's in the oven in their house. They have no root of faith in their hearts. You know, this past uh, two Sundays ago, many Methodist pastors, they started their new appointment. And I'm sure that some of the pastors, they're hoping to get a church like good soil, good finance and good education program, many children and youth and growing membership. As people, it's our nature that we want to be effective. And we want to bring the best result out of what we do. But I believe that Jesus is inviting us to stand and look at the world with the eyes of God, which is very different from the way we think about our business, our being effective. As Jesus said that there is a harvest waiting, God needs many workers and ask, whom shall I send? And we Christians are often afraid to respond to such a call and say yes. Maybe it's because we do not want to fail. We do not want to see a lack of response from the community. We are afraid of financial hardship. After all, the church is just bound by it's a limited time, limited volunteers, and the resources. So we are asking, why waste them? But God is God who is so extravagant in God's love. God does not abandon the soil just because they're not idealistic for planting. In the Gospel of Luke, 
Jesus describes God as shepherds who goes after the one lost sheep while leaving the 99 sheep in the wilderness. And the shepherd rejoices when he founded the lost sheep. He lays on his shoulders and rejoices. Jesus again says, God is like a woman who has 10 coins, but when she loses one of them, she lights a candle, a lamp, and sweeps the whole house, searches it until she finds it. And when she does, she invites her friends and neighbors to come and celebrate with her. Jesus said, God is like the merciful father. Even though her son went away from him and squandered all his property, this father fixes his eyes on the hill until his lost son comes home. So when he sees him, he can rush to him. And he we can run toward him and he, he hug him. To the eyes of this world, a worship service may sound like such a waste. Why waste your time going to church this morning when you can go to any other places and just enjoy and relax for yourself? Why do you waste your time praying when God does not seem to answer loudly and clearly to our ears? Why do you waste your energy and time volunteering at the soup kitchen when we know that there's no way we can solve all the issues of hunger and poverty? Then Jesus tells us that there was this soul, this soul who did not care whether the soil was path, rocky, thorny, or good. As a farmer, he probably had a good idea which soil would likely to uh, produce the most harvest and how to save his time and energy and even the seed. But this sower went everywhere. Not just the good ones, but also the bad ones. Knowing that some seeds will be snatched away, some seeds will take no root or die. But this strange God, the sower, is a God who is willing to waste even God's only son, Christ, to die on the cross so his love could give you and me a new life and also eternal life. A few years ago, our nation was struggling the police brutality against the black community. It's still happening today. But back in 2014, there was a man named Eric Garner, who's my age, and he, uh, he was put into a chokehold by a New York police officer. And he kept saying, I can't breathe, but, but he died tragically that day. Facing such a disturbing news over and over again, Louise, a former pressure of mine, uh, my former church, she shared with me the trauma and the fear she lived as an African-American woman in this society. So she and I got together 
and thought about how, what we could do to raise awareness and what we could do for, for our church and our, our community. And we decided to host the first Martin Luther King Jr. breakfast in January, the first one in that town, so that we could share the prophetic dream and the vision of Dr. King that we may not be judged by our skin color, but by the content of our characters. Since we wanted to reach out to a large community and invite anyone regardless of their religions, we decided to offer this program at a third place, which was the dining hall of this woman's home. Like, you know, the, she lived in a sister living house, and, and the dining hall was going to be the place we were going to have this Martin Luther King Jr. breakfast. When we were planning diligently for this event, another woman in the church, and she approached me and said, you know, our town is 98% white. Do you really think that this kind of event will be, be well received by these people? Why waste your time and energy, she said. You know, I thought about what she said. I mean, there are some major towns and such as metropolitan areas they do such wonderful jobs offering Martin Luther King Jr. breakfast. They have such wonderful, renowned speakers. I mean, this is not the good soil, that what she said. This is more like the rocky soil, soil with thorns, and you know, why even bother to spread the seed in the first place? You know, to be honest with you, I did not have such a strong conviction, to be honest with you whether this was the right thing or to do, but, but Louise from that church, she said, even if 10 people show up, we'll go ahead. <laughs> she prayed for us and um, we diligently planned for the evening, uh, for the morning. Interestingly, on the day of the Martin Luther King Jr. breakfast, it snowed. So now we are expecting less than 10 people. But as the time for breakfast came, a car showed up through the snow, another car showed up. Almost 40 people showed up that morning. And they gathered in the small dining hall at their sister living house. And a couple who attended the event, they were touched by the hospitality and the Ministry of Justice from, from my former church. And they ended up joining the church later. You know, as I think about it, our God is like that, full of surprises. Then when we have our own ideas, what it means to be effective, what it means to bring the best result out of what we do for God, but sometimes God brings us surprises, God's own way to bring the God's rejoice. When we are concerned whether we, our faith and work will bring about some rejoice or make any differences in this world, God calls us to be like this sower who goes anywhere 
to faithfully to sow the seeds and everywhere. So in his sermon, Howard Thurman once said that once the seeds are scattered, it's not our concern whether they will grow or not. He says, the process of growth and development and unfolding is an inscrutable process, which is good news for us because even when we do not know whether this will bring the good result or not, God is God who is diligently working behind us, transforming the lives of people and turning the hearts of people back to God. God so loved the world that God sent God's only Son so that whoever believes in Him may not perish but have eternal life. If God saw the world and noticed how broken it is, how fallen it has become from the righteousness of God, how messed up it can be sometimes, sometimes what a bad soil it can be, I'm not sure God would want to waste the seeds expecting to bring anything good out of that. But God still sent God's only Son Christ to this world because of God's extravagant love. Love that is extravagant, radical, and abundant. And God keeps coming and visiting you and me and our church in our world today because of God's love for us. Thanks be to God and God's will be saved.